Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. 919 ESPN is the telephone number. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Gordon Damer. And most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until 630 tonight. Now, we are broadcasting uh, live from the FanDuel Sportsbook here at Mohegan, uh, Mohegan Sun. And uh, I got to be honest with you, if I sound a little distracted in the uh, course of the show today, it's because I am. Uh, wall-to-wall TVs, it gets, you got everything that you could ever hope to bet on and more. Uh, going on right now, and, uh, and not a clock to be had because uh, we are we are locked in and loaded with everything that's going on, especially with the Yankees and Mets coming up a little bit later on, and we will be talking a lot of college basketball today as we're down to the Final Four, and Florida Atlantic and San Diego State and Miami and UConn later on as well. So you know, look, when it comes to the tournament, it kind of feels like UConn's tournament to lose. They've been dominant so far. But I always fall back on, what do I know? Because uh, uh, I can tell you my Final Four did not have UConn. It did not have Miami. It certainly did not have Florida Atlantic or San Diego State. But we'll talk with Zach Braziller of the New York Post coming up at 5.30. We'll talk a little uh, sports gambling with Joe Wiz at 5 o'clock. And we'll focus in on the Yankees and Mets as well. And since it's a sports talk show, we are legally required to mention the name Aaron Rodgers. Whether a trade comes down today or obviously it will not come down today, we are legally required to mention Aaron Rodgers' name, as you well know, because if you don't as a sports talk show, you get thrown in sports talk show jail. Uh, that, and, and that is where they force you to watch Jet games from the last decade, and nobody wants that. So we'll get to that as well. But let's start things off with the Knicks at 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, and last night, a big win for the Knicks. They go into Cleveland, and going into last night, you wanted to see two things. A, obviously, how are they going to respond without no Julius Randle, right? Was that going to be an issue? You know, that's the guy that they can count on. For all the criticism that Julius Randle has uh, dealt with in his time with the Knicks, the, the idea that uh, he's not tough is not one of the things that he has been criticized for. So to not have the one guy that you can always kind of count on that plays every minute that he can, plays every game all season long, that was an issue going into last night. And then you wanted to see how the Knicks match up against the team that they're almost certainly going to face in the opening round of the playoffs. So it's been obvious for a while. It's going to be Knicks and Cavs. And, and just because it's the Knicks, it has to be the Cavs. For all the talk before the season about Donovan Mitchell and the Donovan Mitchell trade, it is going to happen, it's not going to happen. And then he goes to Cleveland. It did not take you long to realize, well, if the Knicks are going to make the playoffs, who would be the most obvious team for them to suffer the most painful loss if they were to lose, it would obviously be the Cavaliers. So they're going to face the Cavaliers in the opening round. It's got to be the most painful road for the Knicks as possible. But last night kind of gave you hope on both fronts that the Knicks are kind of going to be okay. Now, look, over the last month or so, people have been trying to put their finger on what constitutes a successful season for the Knicks. Do they simply have to be the five seed? Do they simply have to make the playoffs? Does it have to be a playoff series win? And I've told you two things have to happen for the Knicks to have this a, 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 be a successful year. A, you got to be the five. You can't get to within five games of the regular season where you consider the regular season important and basically nobody else in the NBA considers the NBA regular season important. And then you squander that away in the last five games. And this was even before the Randall injury. So you have to be the five. And then secondly, you have to be more competitive in the playoff series, whoever you face, than you were a couple of years ago. Now, that's not going to be very hard because that series a couple of years ago against the Hawks, the Knicks got completely exposed. They had a, a magical 
regular season. Randall was the toast of the town. And then the playoffs began, and things fell apart. They got completely exposed by the Hawks. And you really it almost felt like making the playoffs was, um, you know, as disappointing as making the playoffs possibly could have been. That was the result of that series because it felt like uh, the entire season was kind of fool's gold. And you went into that season with not many high expectations for an organization that couldn't get out of its way for the last two decades. And still, when you finally got a little taste of success, it was snatched away from you in the most painful way possible. So Nick fans are not going to want to hear this, but the Knicks are still at the early stages of whatever they are building. This is year three of the regime, which in other instances might mean more. But for the Knicks, who, again, have not done much of anything for the last two decades, year three is not what a typical year three would be. They've made strides, but the idea that the Knicks have to win a playoff series this year is insane. Now, there has to be progress because, I mean, otherwise you're just kind of running in place. But this team, this organization has already kind of already made pretty clear uh, progress. First off, they've had four things that the Leon Rose group has wanted to do. A, they wanted clearly to establish credibility. Previous regimes, they were okay with tanking. They were fine winning 17 or 20 games in a year and getting into the lottery and hoping the ping pong balls will bounce their way. But this group has shown you they are not going to tank. They are going to squeeze every bit out of the current roster that they can. Otherwise, you don't hire Tom Thibodeau. So the first thing was we want to establish some credibility. Don't want to be a laughing stock. Don't want to be a punchline. Don't want to be the same old Knicks. And also part of that establishing credibility is they did not fall into the trap that the previous regimes, Isaiah Thomas or Phil Jackson, they didn't rush themselves. They don't feel the need to make a big move right away. Those previous regimes, when it was the Carmelo Anthony trade or countless other moves like that, they would feel, you know what, you can't rebuild in New York. It would always be people coming to New York and telling you, oh, you can't do this in New York. Wait a sec, we've been here. We understand what you can and cannot do in New York. And Nick fans would be okay with rebuilding if you actually had a plan. So this group has not put any self-imposed timelines on themselves. So that's the first thing. They've wanted to establish some level of credibility, and I would think that after making the playoffs two times in three years, that does establish some level of credibility, especially for, I, I mean, again, take a look at what the Knicks were doing before this group got here. It was nowhere close to making the playoffs. Nowhere close. The second thing that they've wanted to do since they got here is obviously acquire assets. They want to get younger. They've done that in the, in the draft, even without premier picks, right? 25th pick of, of Emmanuel Quickly or the 25th pick of, uh, of Quentin Grimes. They want to develop what they do have, and they don't want to squander picks like the previous. They want to do the opposite of everything that the Knicks have done here the last 20 years. So they don't want to squander draft picks like their fun coupons from the movie Wolf of Wall Street. They want to be firing them off the side of the boat like, uh, like Phil Jackson and his group did. But while they're doing that and acquiring assets, they also don't want to lock themselves into anything. So they want to remain flexible. And they're not locked into anything really long term. You don't max yourself out in the middle just to be better than it was. And that was one of the previous mistakes of previous regimes. Hey, if we just make the, we can make the playoffs as the eighth seed, that's good enough. When that's not really what the goal should be. And a lot of the previous regimes, they would lock themselves in or at least try to lock themselves into the seventh or eighth seed and that would be the ceiling. They would be, you know, because of contracts and long-term deals, they wouldn't have any flexibility to go beyond that. So those are the first three things. And then the fourth thing is, yeah, 
this regime, the last step is go- and how they're going to be ultimately judged is when the superstar becomes available, are they able to land that superstar or what superstar are they going to be able to land? This is a superstar league. The NBA superstars win more so than any other. And even if they're able to implement those first three steps, if they don't land that fourth one, it's all going to be for naught. But I'll say this. The fact that Jalen Brunson has turned out to be what Jalen Brunson has been is the best thing that you can say about this organization. Now, I'm not going to tell you they've done everything right along the way. Progress is not a straight line straight up, and it's not been for this group. We can name the mistakes that they've made. But what more can you say about Jalen Brunson? And that is the biggest move that they have made. And that's the most impressive move as well. Whenever you pay any player, the question is, can this player outproduce what you're paying him to produce? Are you getting value on what the deal is? And clearly through one year, it's only one year, but so far that has been the case with Jalen Brunson without question. I mean, if I had told you when they signed Jalen Brunson, he would have a string of 40-point games. And in, I'm not going to say the most important game, but it was a pretty vital game for the Knicks last night facing against the team you're going to face in the first round of the playoffs without Julius Randle, Brunson would come out, score 48, a career high with nine assists, and big bucket after big bucket. So, again, I'm not going to tell you that every move that this regime has made has been perfect, but the biggest move has been as great a move as any team in New York has made in a very long time because every team goes and signs superstars, right? Yankees signed their superstars. Mets signed superstars. The Jets are going to eventually land Aaron Rodgers. See, I already mentioned it once in the first hour. Um, The Giants certainly go and and make big moves as well. Every team signs superstars. But when 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 you are able to not only get the guy, but identify the guy who is going to produce better for you than he is at, has at any point in his career, that's more impressive. So even people that liked the deal when the Knicks made it for Brunson, it cannot be overstated that the Knicks got a legitimate star player. And when they acquired him, nobody thought that he would be that. So Brunson's the lead story, but you have to hope that it, it's going to be more than that. And what made last night, I think, fun and exciting and all those type of things is how the Knicks were able to play without Randall. That's how you draw it up, right? Like when you go into that game, you think to yourself, well, we need everybody to kind of step up, and that's what guys did. Emmanuel quickly continues to play sensational. Quentin Grimes, remember a couple of weeks ago, some guy called me and said Grimes was terrible? Funny, not heard back from that guy since then. Mitchell Robinson, 14 rebounds, was a monster on the offensive board. Josh Hart has continued to play great. So that's exactly what you wanted. And at this point, really, for the Knicks, the playoffs cannot get here soon enough. You hope that Randall gets back. You want to have him healthy. But it feels like for a franchise that has been lost in the wilderness for two decades, they are on more solid footing than they have been in a very long time. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Lots to do on this Saturday as we are live from the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook here at Mohegan Sun Casino. 5.30, we're going to talk with Zach Braziller, get some thoughts about uh, the NCAA tournament. 6 o'clock, we will play uh, an edition of uh, What I Learned on TikTok. And let's be honest with the way things are going right now. might be the final edition of What I Learned this week on TikTok. Uh, We'll get into the pitch clock and all that. But coming up, we'll get your phone calls. And the one, you know, I was sitting there watching the game last night, and I was thinking about clearly it's going to be a, a, a first-round series of the Knicks and Cavs. And there's one silver lining that if Randall is out for that series that the Knicks have going into it, it might be a very slim silver lining, 
but it is a sil silver lining all the same, so we'll get into that too. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Just getting started on this Saturday. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer Show, it is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. So I was talking there before in the first segment about the silver lining that uh, if Randall is uh, out for the playoff series against the – and really if he's not, because at this point he's not even going to be reevaluated for two weeks, which puts you right up against the start of the playoffs. So even if he is back, you'd have to assume he, he's not going to be anywhere close to 100%. So I would say that the one silver lining going into that series against the Knicks and Cavs the pressure is clearly all on Cleveland. They would be obviously the higher seed. They've been the higher seed the entire time. It's not like a, a, a matchup where the Knicks and Heat, ha, uh, excuse me, the Knicks and Cavs have kind of swapped places here down the stretch. The Cavs have always been the four seed, and the Cavs have always kind of projected to be a whole lot closer to those top three teams in the East than the bottom three teams, the Knicks, the, the Nets, or the Heat, or however that shakes out with those final two spots. So all the focus is going to be on that Cavs team, and all the focus is going to be on Donovan Mitchell going up against the team that he was hoping to be traded to, uh, you know, the team that did not trade for him. And look, it, not that that is going to tell you uh, who wins the series or not, but I think that that's a better spot to be in. I would rather be the underdog, underdog going into that series because I do think the Knicks could win that series. I don't think that that's outrageous. Now, granted, uh, <laughs> laying the cards on the table, I thought the Knicks going into the series against the Hawks had a chance to at least uh, win that series, and that w they were nowhere close to winning that series. So maybe this is the Nick fandom in me that is kind of feeling this way, but uh, I like being the underdog going in. And for Nick fans who are always, you know, wildly optimistic how could you say the Knicks uh, you know are going to be the underdog they're going to win that series I would simply say just go ask somebody who's not a Knicks fan Knicks Cavs opening round series who if you had to put your money on one of those teams here at the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook at Mohegan Sun most people who are not Knicks fans would be taking the Cavs in that series all right let's get some phone calls in 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number 1-800-919-3776 we'll start things off Manny is in Flushing Manny first up on the Gordon Damer show what's going on pal hey Gordon how you doing I'm good man what's going on I'm good man listen um uh, 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 listen man last night was so was so so exciting I mean the Knicks won I mean I mean Jalen Brunson 48 points, 9 assists. I mean, what more can you get? Yeah, I think he's top. I mean, I remember Charles Barkley once said that he's probably the best free agency that the Knicks had in, like, in years. I mean, in all the years that you've been watching the Knicks, when was the last time that a player come from the Knicks as a free agent did so spectacular? And outperformed the expectations, right? When they got, when they got Carmelo, uh, I mean, Carmelo was, was very good, but, you know, the expectations were they were going to be great. Uh, and, and they were not. <laughs> you know, they won one playoff series uh, in, in the entire time. So uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, you know, when you go out and get a free agent or you go and make a trade for an established star, you want that guy to outperform the expectations. And that absolutely is what Jalen Brunson has done so far. He has is, he is wildly outperformed the expectations. Yeah. I want to ask you this. You brought up the same comment in the Blue Jackson regime. And the one thing I'll say about the Isaiah Thomas regime, I mean, the one thing, uh, the two things that I always uh, say this one time, and he didn't lead the Knicks, I think his first year that the Knicks got to the playoffs, and then the next few years they kind of falter. I mean, the bad news was 
they didn't have like the quote the I mean they drafted well, but they never had like quote, like the right coast to coast the teams. The Phil Jackson one, I thought it was worse because in a way, um Alan Hart once said it held them back for years. If you have to choose which regime was worse, Jackson or the Thomas. Uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas? No, Isaiah Thomas was worse. Isaiah Thomas's okay. regime was worse. Uh, Phil's was better. I mean, look, it's 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 uh, it's nip and tuck. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that Phil Jackson was good uh, in terms of the last you know decade or so. Um, he he was he was horrendous. But to me, you know, Phil really didn't trade away first round picks. They stopped doing that. Um, but uh, I mean, he, he you know he also made the 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 Joakim Noah. Tr I mean, the the amount of bad moves. Uh, they traded away Tyson Chandler for nothing. They died hiring Derek Fisher. That was terrible. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of bad moves. All right, man. Yeah. Okay. All yes. Right. Yes. I'm good. I'm good. Take All care, right. man. And I have fun with and stuff. All right, man. <laughs> I'll try, Manny. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, both uh, the Knicks have had nothing short of a bunch of bad uh, executives, a, ba a bunch of bad coaches. Phil Jackson certainly on that list. But, um, you know, Isaiah was the one when he got here. I mean, Phil, I mean, you think about some, you know, they're just coming to mind. You know, Jeff Hornacek, that move was bad. Uh, giving Mello the no trade clause, that was another one. So. Uh, it, it, I've kind of blocked them all out of my memory because time has passed and the Knicks have actually been good here for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Phil was bad, but I think Isaiah was worse. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, what's going on, pal? Oh, I'm glad you're up there. Wish I was with you. You left out the immortal David Fisdale. <laughs> okay. Yeah, David so, Fisdale. Yep. Look, look, they all start to come flooding back after a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I got a big smile on my face because you know how big of a fan I am of yours. And, and I came up with this three words. And, again, I always qualify myself because I never want to hurt anyone's feelings. Before the game, and, and for those who tune in and flip back, uh, Gordon and I and others break down the game, it, it's just such a wonderful thing for me and hope I bring something to the table. This was addition by subtraction last night. Prior to the game, I told my buddy, I said there will be fewer turnovers, the offense will run more smoothly, uh, the fourth quarter, as we all know, is different than the rest of the game, and the last three or four minutes with the Knicks, with Randall on the floor, is always a challenge to watch taking nothing away from his ability of a basketball player. But two quick things, and have a great time up there. Enjoy yourself. Two quick things I noticed. The first and second half were officiated totally differently. It was mono for mono uh, the first 12 minutes with Brunson and Mitchell. It was wonderful to watch, but that's not winning basketball. In the last two games that we all broke down, including yourself, the Knicks have given up. 14 points in the fourth quarter, Gordon. 14 points. The common thread there was Julius Randle wasn't on the floor. And I think it's going to, I think uh, Hartenstein, you can't look at the box score and look at his contribution. Grimes is coming to his own. The guy you alluded to a few weeks ago, you know, come stick your head out of the golfer hole. And as far as Brunson, Brilliant. The ones on the edge here is R.J. Barrett is certainly at a crossroads. I'm pulling for the guy. And Quickly's had a terrific year, but he dribbles too much. That's my pet peeve. But the draft picks from, from the guy you didn't know about with Leon Rose, dating myself, talking to you, have been tremendous the last couple of years. Last point, too. Maybe you could answer this. I asked uh, Danny this morning. When Julius Randle uh, rolled his ankle, 
okay, and he tried to walk it off, which we all would, okay? And then they saw he was at an impasse, and and he was starting to go backwards there, you know, uh, figuratively. Nobody came out. He he shoot quickly away, and they had to shot at him in the tunnel. There wasn't any Knicks training personnel. God knows they got 13 guys on the side (laughs) on the bench. Shouldn't there have been a guy under each one of his arms to take the weight off of, if it's a weight-bearing injury, off of his ankle? Did you notice that? Uh, I mean, I I, I didn't really think about it at the time. Um, In hindsight, when you found out about the injury, maybe you think that. I think that's, uh, to me, that's thinking in hindsight because I'll be honest with you, when he left the game, even though it did look really bad, ankles generally do look, you know, that, like that's one of those injuries that you never see and not go, oh, you know, like uh, you, you groan right. when you see it. Um, I, look, I, I would think that if he, need, if he if they thought he needed any help, they would have given him help. But maybe, you know, maybe it's the type of thing where like the guy who doesn't want to be taken off on the cart, he, he's a proud player. He's a tough guy and he, he doesn't want to well, be you're like, right. walked you're off right that there. way. Randall might have shooed them away and said, I got it, I got it. But you've got to take precautions. I think the Knicks have a chance. I think Cleveland's the better team, and Cleveland has a great home record. But uh, I'm intrigued by the whole opportunity that we have here. And, I, and Je, Je, Je Hart and Hartenstein and Grimes and Quickly, they're all on the improve, and it's, it's terrific to watch. Enjoy your day up there. All right, Spike, thanks for the phone call. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, pal? Gordon, you know I'm all about thinking in sports. Yes. All right, I got a question for Outside you. You're the, the general box. manager of the Knicks uh-huh. today, April yeah. 1st, yep. and I'm the general manager of Cleveland. Uh-huh. April 1st. And I say to you, Gordon, I'll give you Donovan Mitchell for Jalen Brunson straight up. Do you make that trade as a Nick general manager today? I think I probably would, but it would be a whole lot closer than no, I No, don't give me probably, but, but, but I mean, look, would you I, make I, the I, trade straight well, up? I mean, you just – can I think about it for a second? Can I uh, – you know. You I gotta, can take all the time. You can, enter it, you can answer it right. right at the end of the show. I'll go on with some other thought-provoking stuff. I pro- yes. I, I, if push came to shove and I had two buttons in front of me, Jalen Brunson or Donovan Mitchell, I probably – I would hit the button that says – Well, it's not Jalen Mitchell or Donovan Mit- well, uh, Don- Jalen Brunson or Donovan Mitchell. It's the fact that you have jo- uh, Jalen Brunson right, but, uh, and you see what he's been picking. doing for your team. Right. Would you still make that trade picking. as of today? Yeah, you, you're essentially picking, though. If I, or I, if I already have one and you have the other and I could take the one and trade it for the other, that's, that's essentially two buttons in front of you. So I would say, yeah, I would, I would take Donovan Mitchell still. Right now, as well as, Don, as Jalen Brunson. He's is playing fantastic, and I'm happy. And you, you still know, would make that trade? I probably would, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, you know, who would have figured the Devils to win their division and the Sacramento Kings to win their division? If anyone predicted that before the season, what do you think you'd get in Vegas for those two? I I don't know, but it would have been – I mean, just the Kings alone. 10,000 to one. Sure, and the Devils? Yeah. The Devils to win it? Come on. I have no idea. I don't know the – All right. You know me. A storyline on the uh, NCAA tournament. Jim Laranega, 73 years old, winning his first championship. (laughs) I know. Jack Jack McKeon was pretty old, too, right, when he won with the uh, Marlins? Yeah, he was. Um, but I don't. Was that his first? Did he ever win anything anywhere else? I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Shorter games in baseball. Yeah. All right. Did anyone notice that uh, uh, 
hopefully, Susan and John may have a longer career for this, you know, on radio. Because, you know, they're, so. to me, they're, they're worth their weight in gold listening to those on radio, you know, when we can't get to the TV. I hope that's a result of this short game. Uh, as far as the uh, game on uh, Thursday, the Yankee game, everyone talked about this and that. You know what no one mentioned? And What's it that? didn't happen too many times last year. Mm-hmm. And in the last 10 years, it hasn't happened much. Yankee, You know, the Yankees stole two bases on uh, Thursday? Yeah. Volpe and uh, Torres. No, was, two I mean, stolen look, bases. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not that long ago that they would steal bases. You know, it's just... It's, not it's, two. Yeah. And now, they may be ten to five, or ten, five to eight times during the season last year. So, it's rare. It's rare. That's not, and it's nice to see. So it's showing you that teams are going to be running more. The Mets ran twice. Uh, Mark Day ran twice yesterday. Was caught once and stole once for one for the Mets. Uh, and as far as the uh, uh, tournament goes, I think it'll be fantastic if either San Diego State or Florida Atlantic win it. I mean, that will be, you know, Gordon. We all look for chaos. We look for improbability. We look for long shots. You can't get it. Ten years ago, did you ever hear of Florida Atlantic? No. Never. In a million years. And to, for, to see them win the NCAA tournament over Duke, Kentucky, wild. North. Yeah. I mean, this I mean, is unbelievable. North Carolina, this, this is year, unbelievable. Right? Yeah. There's been no mid-major to win the tournament since Texas Western in 1966. No mid-major. Butler came close. George Mason. None of them ever won it. Ever. Princeton won to the final, but never really, nobody's ever won the champion. It's always been a top-flight program. So this would be, I mean, I'm rooting like crazy for either San Diego State or Florida. And people are saying, well, it doesn't have to buzz because you don't have four. No, I'm the opposite. I don't want to see Kentucky. I don't want to see North Carolina. What do you, I like that. And these teams that have won, none of them won on flukes. Florida Atlantic, San Diego, these are great. I saw defense by San Diego State last week. I haven't seen in years college kids playing. This is unbelievable the way they play defense and go after the ball. Uh, Man-on-ball defense. I mean, Richard, you'd have to be honest. You are – it could have been any four teams that you would be locked in as much as you No, Yes, of course, good. And last year's final was great because Kansas was was down by 15. Sure. If you remember, to North Carolina. And I'll never forget, Kansas came out and scored the first 10 points. Mm -hmm. Hubert Davis wouldn't call a timeout. He wanted his team to work its way out. Never rec- and you know they haven't re- recovered since North Carolina since blowing that lead. They didn't well, it was only a year, but yeah, yeah, it was that was last year. year. Right, and, yeah. and you know they haven't recovered since. That goes to show you that the NCAA tournament is not only great. The tournament, even before the tournament, it was great because the fact that North Carolina didn't get into the tournament made it great. So, and last year, if you remember, what made the tournament great before the tournament was Duke losing their final game to North Carolina. Oh, that was at the, you remember at the Duke oh, Stadium, Cameron? Oh, with, uh, the kids Remember that? That was unbelievable. Oh, was so we've always got storylines with the that just to watch them all be so disappointed. Oh, my God. That's right. That, that was, was unbelievable like how Duke they lost went, they their final home game to North Carolina. So my point being, Gordon, that the NCAA tournament is foolproof it's great every year. There are storylines that you can dig out. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. wonderful. 
It makes us think. It makes us think, and I love it. Gordon, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Richard. 1-800-919. Richard's got a lot of points to make, and they're all in different directions. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Jack McKean was 72 when he won the World Series of the Marlins, and he had never won a World Series before that, although he had a couple other stops. But uh, So, yeah, Jim Laranega is certainly uh, one of the things that are going to be focused on. It kind of feels like that game, the Miami-UConn game, it kind of feels like that's the national title game and that whoever is the winner of that one is the predict, you know, most people are predicting what the winner of that one's going to win the whole thing, but uh, we shall see. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show. Coming up, let's get into a little baseball stuff with uh, the Yankees and Mets seasons underway and, of course, everybody's favorite topic, the pitch clock. We'll do that next. Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get into some Yankee talk here in a minute as the Yankees coming up at, uh, what, 4 o'clock against the Giants, see if they can – Certainly can't be any better than that first game. That first game is the is the opening day you dream about. Cole's electric, Judge hits a home run, everything was great. You didn't get to see uh, Aaron Hicks, so that was good too. So all, all's right in the world on opening day when the Yankees come to town. But uh, let's get some more phone calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, good, good, good afternoon, Gordon. Just wanted to pretty much be, um Talk about the Nick game last night because I was watching that in conjunction with the women's game as well. And wanted to bring up Jalen Brunson because I think that, you know, the signing cannot go. It, it's pretty much an understatement on how great the signing was with him. And this is kind of what I was expecting. And the fact that he would, the fact that he had nine assists, because I always hear, you know, those fans who try to say he's not a distributor or a playmaker. And I just feel like, the way the offense is set up with Randall, sometimes when he puts the ball on the floor, that's going to take away that assist number. But um, with here, with here, he got nine assists, and the ball was fl- flowing a lot better in the fourth quarter. And it's something that we can only hope hope to continue to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, I, look I don't want to make it out. And Jose, thanks for the phone call. That mm-hmm. oh, it's a good thing that uh, that Randall's not going to be there because there will be times, especially in the playoffs, where you'll need that guy to. You know, the the, the focus is going to, you know, how these playoff series go. The focus becomes greater with each game, and you're going to need as many options. And when you have a Randall who you can count on um, generally, we couldn't really count on him in the last playoff series because he was the only one. But this time you want to see, right, like the idea that you have now two kind of guys you can count on uh, to kind of run the offense you, you want to be able to see how that works come playoff time. That's what you've been you've been hoping to see all year. You want to not just get into a playoff series, but you want to be competitive in a playoff series. Now, if Randall's not there, you wor- to me, I worry a little bit. If it, is it going to go back to, okay, they're going to take Brunson away, and now it's time for everybody else to step up? And, and can you count on that to be able to, you know, not maybe win a series, but can you be competitive in a series if that's the case? So you will need Randall at some point, but at least for one night, you know, uh, you have concerns thinking, oh, boy, how are we going to get to the finish line here without uh, our either one our option number one or option 1A? Uh, at least for one night, it went about as swimmingly as, uh, as it could, as it could. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. So if you want to get on to the next, we will continue to do that. But I did want to kind of touch on some baseball stuff before the Yankees got started. 
uh, because, you know, baseball season's here, big expectations for the Mets, big expectations for the Yankees, and, and uh, plenty of focus on, I guess, the new rules, but really just the one rule. Uh, <laughs> nobody's talking about the larger bases. Nobody's talking about uh, getting rid of the shift. It's almost exclusively been the conversation about the p pitch clock, right? Uh, now finally putting something in place so you can uh, control the time of these games so there's not the standing around, there's not the wasted time that we've watched and witnessed here for the last 15, 20 years or so. And look at that. We've been hearing about it. We heard about it last year, and it was such a rousing success in the minor leagues. And then you found out it was going to be in the major leagues. And all right, is, is it still going to work as well? Well, so far, so great. Shaved 25 minutes off games on average on opening day. And just kind of looking at the box scores from yesterday. Two, one game was at 214. I think the Mariners game was two hours, 14 minutes. The Met game, I think, was 209. It has been not good. It has been fantastic. It has been sensational. And the fact that it is a major league baseball rule change that is good, that's mind-blowing. Because generally, anytime they have any ideas about rules, it shows you just how lost they are. Uh, but yet, it's weird. Driving up here yesterday, listening to the K show on my way up, I heard nothing but complaints. Complaints about something that has been sensational. Now, I hope it's going to remain that way. I don't see any reason why it's just the, an example of a small sample size, and, and in a week or two, we're going to be talking about games three and a half hours again. But to me, that's just proof that there are certain people that just want to complain. That the, you're complaining that the games are going by too fast? You, you, want, you want it to take longer. That's that seriously the hill that you're dying on. You would rather there be more wasting of time. And the reasons that people are, well, you know, if I go to the game and I want to get something to eat, I'm going to miss more of the game. Well, look, if the games are going to take two hours and ten minutes, I don't know, maybe go without food for two hours and ten minutes or, or just get a hot dog at your seat. Do you have to go get Shake Shack and stand online for three innings? I don't know. If, if the games are going to be two, the reason why you would go do that before was because the games are going to take four hours. If the game's only going to take a little over two hours, I don't know. Maybe you can go without having the, the, the perfect meal at the ballpark. I don't know if you need a medium-rare steak at the ballpark. Maybe you just grab a hot dog at your seat, you have a beer at your seat, two hours, ten minutes, and then you go get dinner afterwards. But the, uh, to me, the pitch clock has been an absolute, it's not even a home run, it's a grand slam. It's the perfect rule change because it kept all the good parts of everything that you want and it eliminated the waiting around. And the waiting around has not always been part of the game. People are making it out like games. Well, no, they're supposed to take three and a half. No, they're not. Go back and watch a game from the 70s or the 80s. The games would be flying by in two and a half hours on a regular basis. So the pitch clock has, had, in, 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 uh, not even in a short period of time, immediately it has given a new energy to the games is given a new spark. It gives the game some flow. Now, there are still th some things to work on. I, I, I do think that this is largely the small sample size of the amount of strikeouts you saw on opening day. I don't think that that's going to be the case. The, the baseball has a problem with the time of games and the style of play. You would prefer that games are not simply home run, strikeout, or walk. So that might still need to be worked on, and they'll figure out a way maybe, hopefully, to, to – but, I mean, if they ever figure out a rule to fix that that's been as perfect as the pitch clock, well, then, then they really have something going on. But obviously not everyone is a fan of it. So there's been this cut that everybody's been playing about Max Scherzer after his opening day start. Do we have the cut of Max Scherzer talking about the pitch clock?
Do we have that, guys? I love the pace. I don't like the clock. I'll, I'll double down on that. You know, I think the umpire should have discretion to turn the clock off. So I'll turn this over to Tony. We had this conversation the other day. Do you think? Twice. Do you think Pete? You know, should in that situation, should that should we start doing ball strike in that situation? I'll go off the record with you. No, you're, no, go on the record. Let's see. I mean, like you got to be able to defend this. I guess you can't. Okay. So he's obviously talking about that play at first base with, with Alonzo and everything else that uh, McNeil got the strike called on him. Um, but he, he said there he, he likes, you know, he, he doesn't like the clock. He likes the pace, but he doesn't play it again so I could hear exactly what he said. I love the pace. I don't like the clock. I'll, I'll double down on that. You know, I think the umpire should have discretion to turn the clock off. So I'll turn this over to Tony. We had this conversation the other day. Do you think, do you think Pete, you know, should in that situation, should that, should we start doing ball strike in that situation? I'll go off the record with you. No, you're, no, go on the record. Let's see. I mean, like, you got to be able to defend this. I guess you can't. Okay. All right. So he, he's saying that he likes the pace, but he doesn't like the clock. Well, here's the thing. What he's saying there makes no sense. Because, again, it's, it's a rule, but it's not for him. It's about everybody. And, and what he's saying is, well, the umpire should have the discretion. You want, so, seriously, he's saying, oh, you, will you stand by that? Will he stand by he wants the umpires to do more? He wants the, the umpires to have more discretion on these things? Because I'll tell you, by watching games, and he should know this better than anybody, the umpires can't handle what they're being giving already. So you want to put more on their plate. And we have seen in the past that it does not work when you give the umpires the discretion. They have tried that in the past, and it will work for a week, and then the umpires will go back to their old habits of not taking care of it, and the players will go back to their habits of, of stepping out of the box and wasting time and pitchers wasting time, and then it just goes right back to three-hour, four-hour games. So now that it's out in the open, because you guys couldn't do it yourselves, it takes the umpire's hands out of it, and that might be the best part of it. Everybody's on a level, a playing field. Everybody knows the rules. Everybody's got to follow the rules, and that's better that way because umpires in baseball, no sport has more troublesome refs than Major League Baseball. Baseball has more guys who are known to fans simply because they're horrible. Now, I'm not saying that the other sports have perfect officiating. No, I, everybody has their issues with officiating. But there's no sport where you know, when you hear guys' names, you know that the conversation is going to be about they screwed up a call or they screwed up this or they screwed up that. If I mention you, to you the name Angel Hernandez, immediately you know, oh, yeah, well, it's Angel Hernandez. Or if it was Joe West in his time. Or if it was C.B. Buckner. Or if it was Ron Culpa. Or if it's Laz Diaz. There's no sport where the officials of the sport go out of their way to put their imprint on the game in a more negative way than Major League Baseball. I mean, it was just, what was it, two weeks ago, you have that clip of uh, JT Real Muto getting ejected from a game for, like, misunderstanding who was throwing the ball back to the pitcher. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, no, you do not want to put more things on the plate of the umpires. They already have enough to, to deal with. And really, uh, we, when we talk about the NBA and load management and stars not playing uh, for fans who bought a ticket, Baseball, they have stars on a regular basis getting ejected for more, the most trivial reasons. So, no, I do not want more stuff in the umps' hands. And it's kind of uh, really why I think the robo-umps, that would kind of take care of it as well. Because then you'll have an ump behind the plate who is just simply relaying the information from the robo-ump, and then that will take that aspect of the game out of it. I want the stars of the sport to be t taking part in the sport. I don't want them getting ejected for simply voicing complaints about balls and strikes.
That's, that's not really why we're here. So no, I don't want it in the hands of the umpires because they have shown in the past that they can't handle it and they have enough problems just instituting what they're supposed to be doing on the field uh, between balls and strikes or calls with, with uh, relaying the, the, the replay and everything else. So no, this is a perfect way. And you know what? You know it because it worked immediately. This might be the most perfect rule change that any sport has put in in the entire time that I've watched sports. I, I can't think of what would even be a, a close second. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. So, no, I don't want it in the ump's hands. Uh, sorry, Max Scherzer. And really, the only legit criticism of the pitch clock in my mind is why Major League Baseball didn't do it sooner. It's been fantastic. Love it. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Danny is on Long Island. Danny, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Good afternoon, sir. I agree with you 100%. The beauty of taking it out of the umpire's hands is that the umpires have been one of the major problems with improving the pace of the game. They Absolutely. act like they're, they're in their own world where we want to call a bigger strike zone. No, we're not doing it. Excuse me? You work for us. Like every year, the NFL has drastic changes. They bring in the referees. They instruct them, and they and, and they call the game the way the league wants to be called because those are the people writing the check. Now, I, I love the cricket game. We all love the cricket game. But at some point in the next two weeks, somebody will be sitting at Steinbrenner's desk saying, listen, I paid a billion dollars for this concession, and here's the results. The games are ending an hour early, and I'm, my company is losing uh, $5 million a day in hot chocolate and beer, so I want to contract a renegotiation, which is a legitimate point If I, because now we're going to find out how much the owners really care about the game because that is going to cost them money. There's no way of getting around. I can live without the hot dogs between the seventh and ninth inning, but some people come and, you know, they're eating out the whole big thing, Shake Shack, the Shea Bridge, uh, everything out in center field. They could care less about the game. Well, if the game ends a lot quicker, they're spending less money. That's going to hurt Major League Baseball's pocket. Let's see how much they really care about the game and how much they care about the dollars. All right, Danny, thanks for the phone call. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Well, look, that's a point that's been made a lot. I got some thoughts on that. We'll do that next. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. 